I came home from work the other day and something incredibly unique happened in my life. I mean, something that's so rare that it's, it's hard for you know, me to even comprehend. So I came home from work and uh, no one was there. When you have seven people that live at your house, that is a rare occurrence. Plus all the others that happen to drop in and out and be there and be coming and calling and going and doing and being and all these things. Seven people live there all the time, plus there's others, right? So there's seven plus more. I know you know how it is, right? So seven people that live there plus all the others. And so I get home from work and I walk in the house and it's completely empty and it's just me there. And I'm like, wow, I know what to do, right? So I'm just like standing there with my backpack still on my shoulder like, okay, what what do I do? There's so many options. (laughs) What do I do? Where do I go from here? And the first thing on my mind is, okay, this is a good opportunity to get some work done. And of course, I just came from work. I've been there like nine and a half hours. It was like, I just came from work. And, and, and so the first thing that pops in my mind is I should use this opportunity to do some work. I mean, nobody's there to, to I was going to say bug me, but I better not say that. Nobody was there to interact with me. And so I'm like, okay. And so I'm like, okay, I've got this opportunity to do some work. And so I go to my desk and I open up my laptop and I'm like, okay, here we go. Peace and quiet in the house. I'm going to do this. I'm going to jump in here and get some work done. So I start working on the sermon series that's coming up next, next time. So our March sermon series is called A Hill to Die On. And uh, it's going to be one of our most incredible sermon series that we've ever done. I'm talking about the tenets of Christianity that cannot be compromised, right? Stuff that we're not willing to even discuss. There's a lot of stuff we're willing to discuss. Like we're willing to discuss stuff about baptism. We're willing to discuss stuff about the spiritual gifts things like that, but there's certain things about our faith, about Christianity, about what we believe here at the Way Church that we are not willing to discuss. Like, this is how it is. This is what the Word of God's anyway. That's not what I'm preaching about today. So I'm like, yes, and, and it's really an important sermon series to me, and me, me and Britta have, have discussed it a lot, me and Angela, and it's going to be really good, and I, I, I was about to type and, and just really get going on it, and I heard God speak to me. And, and, and let, let me explain something to you real quick. Like when I say I heard God speak to me, like I don't mean that I heard words and I don't mean that I saw a vision. Well, what I mean by that is I had a, an overwhelming feeling that I know lines up with the word of God. Does that make sense? And, and it's not always overwhelming. Sometimes it's a little feeling, but I had a feeling in my heart that I know lines up with the word of God. And so let me explain. I've, I see some people like having a real moment of revelation here. Like, oh, that was God. Yes, it was. Because I know that because I know that if the thoughts, the feelings, and the thoughts I have line up with the Word of God, they didn't come from me, right? If the things that I'm thinking, the things that I'm feeling, if they line up with what the Word of God says, then they came from God. So, so if you want to hear the voice of God, if you want to have God speak to you, you need to learn your Word. Because then you know, without a shadow of a doubt, if the things you're feeling and thinking and seeing are from God or if they're from you. Because when you can take those thoughts and feelings and compare them to what the Word of God says, then you will know if it's the voice of God. And so I heard, and I didn't, like I said, I didn't hear, but I felt God speaking to me. And he said, why don't you rest a minute? If you guys know me very well, you know I don't rest. I don't, I don't do rest. It's not one of the things that's on my agenda. Like, because there's always more to do. I don't, don't rest. And I was like, what? But God, a hill to die on. This is my hill to die on. It's going to be the best sermon series that we've ever done in our whole lives. It's going to be the best. It's going to be good, and people are going to be saved and delivered, and we're going to change the whole world. And God was like, why don't you slow down and rest a minute? And I was like, okay. 
So I'm sitting there at my desk with my like, fingers hovering over the keyboard, and I'm having this internal battle, right? The Holy Spirit's telling me to, to take a break and to rest a minute and just breathe. And my flesh is going, no, must type things. Must do scripture stuff. And then I heard the word from God, okay? Because sometimes you have a feeling and sometimes you hear a word. Can somebody say amen? So then I heard the word from God and God said, stop. And so I did. And I took an hour and 15 minutes or whatever till the whole crew came marching in the door just for me and him. And just, we just sat there and experienced each other. I just like rested in his love for a minute. Because if I stand in his love, come on. But then I started to research for this sermon. So this whole thing is the inspiration for this sermon. And I found out something. You know, the word Sabbath doesn't really mean rest. Yeah, I know some people are like, what? Yeah, Sabbath doesn't really mean rest. I mean, it does because that's what we've made it into. But the word Sabbath in the original Hebrew really doesn't mean, the word Shabbat that we translate Sabbath really doesn't mean rest. You know what it means? Stop. That's what it means. It really means cease. So Shabbat means to cease. It means stop. And so what the Bible is really trying to communicate in the book of Genesis, when the Bible says that, that God worked for six days in the creation, and on the seventh day he stopped. And, and when God gives you that command, that same command that he experienced, when he, when he says to you, now you are to work seven days, and then I want you to stop. I need you to understand that, that when we say it means rest, I mean, that's okay, but there's no power in that. He's not, this is not a suggestion. It's a command. He's not saying, you can take a little break if you want to. No, this is the Father, the creator of the universe saying, stop and rest in me. Stop and experience me. Stop and, and, and look around at all the goodness of God that's alive in this world. Stop your worrying. Stop your stressing. Stop your sinning and experience the power of my love for just a minute. Can you do that? Yeah, give God praise for that. Come on. The word Sabbath means stop. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word today? I'm in the book of Isaiah in chapter 58. Book of Isaiah in chapter 58, of course, the book of Isaiah is one of the most incredible books in all of the Bible. Messianic prophecies coming out of our ears. And, and the power of God's love just on full display, uh, display all throughout the book of Isaiah. I wonder if he knew what he was doing. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I wonder if he knew when he was writing this stuff down. That, that, that thousands of years later that we were going to be standing here going, this guy had a connection with God and the likes of which that we can't even comprehend. But anyway, at the, at the end, of, and, and the, I, I encourage you to go read this chapter. Read, go read Isaiah 58. Just read the whole thing. It'll take you two or three minutes. And, and read the whole thing and just see the power of God's love flow throughout this entire chapter. I wanted to read it all, but I don't want to confuse anybody. I want you to focus just on these two verses. Two verses today. This is what the Bible says. In verse 13, keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath. And speak of it with delight as the Lord's day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day. And don't follow your own desires or talk idly. 
Verse 14, then the Lord will be your delight. That sounds good, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but that's how I want to live my life with the Lord as my delight. You know why? Because everything else on this earth will let you down. And when you put your hope and your faith and your trust in anything else that exists on this earth, you're asking for trouble and you're begging for failure. But when you put your delight in the Lord, when you put your hope and your trust and your power in Jesus Christ, you know what? He's never going to let you down. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to abandon you. He's never going to forsake you. And all that, like Pastor Brent was saying at the beginning, man, when you, instead of trying to be happy all the time, I want to be happy. When you find your joy in the Lord, it never runs out. It doesn't change with the winds. It's not tossed around by the sea. It's something you can stand on. It's something that you can live by. It's something that will change your life and the lives of everyone around you, man. Come on. And, and he goes on to say, I will give you great honor and I will satisfy you with the inheritance that I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. Today as we pray, I want us to bow our heads, but I, I want to read a traditional Jewish Sabbath day prayer. Is that okay? So let's pray together. God, grant that we inherit your holy gift of Shabbat forever so that your people, Israel, who sanctify your name will always find rest on this day. Praised are you, Adonai, who sanctifies Shabbat. Amen. Let's give God a shout of praise and let's have a seat, man. Come on. <clears throat> Imagine, if you will, a place where every need that you have is provided for you. A place where, where every desire that you have is just poured out on you. Imagine, if you will, a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Imagine a land where, where all you're responsible for is to bring glory to your provider and to enjoy him forever. That is what was created for us. That is what was provided for us. That was what our existence was designed to be like. That, that, that we would experience this land and, and be able to just enjoy God, just to praise God, just to experience God forever and ever and ever with no uh, boundaries, with, with no expectations, with, with no work. Just to experience him, just to encounter him, that is what we were created for. You know, when we say we want to go back to the garden, that's what we're talking about. When J.R. sings we want to go back to communion, that's what he's talking about. Going back to this moment where everything that we need is provided for us and all we're responsible for is just to praise him for it. That's it. I mean, that's what we were given. But that wasn't good enough for us, was it? Nothing's ever good enough for us. We always want something else. I mean, it gets on my nerves so bad, and even in my own life. You know, even my own life, man, I get what I've been going after, and I'm like... Let's find something else. And even when we were given everything, still we wanted more. And, and when the devil came up and whispered his lie in the book of Genesis in chapter 3, it wasn't even that great of a lie. We just wanted it to be true. We, instead of worshiping God, we wanted to be gods to be worshipped. That leaves a nasty taste in your mouth, don't it? Yeah, like vinegar, come on. Jesus said, I don't want that stuff. Spit that out of my mouth. It's like some lukewarm Christians. <laughs> that tastes like lukewarm Christians. I don't want that. That's a whole sermon right there. Mm, that's coming up. Just get ready. Get ready. That's coming up. <laughs> what we didn't realize is that being God is work. Being God's work. Being God's hard work. Being your own God is hard work. And so in that curse that we received, we cursed ourselves with 
work. You know, we weren't designed for work. We were designed for worship. We weren't, we weren't designed to be productive. We were designed to praise. And that's why it's so hard for so many of us to do this stuff. That's why when that alarm goes off every morning, you're like, Ugh! But when my alarm goes off on Sunday, I'm like, Time to go worship Jesus. Come on. But tomorrow I'm going to be like, and, and, and it's not that I hate my job. I love my job, but it's still work. Ugh. And so we cursed ourselves. We cursed ourselves with work, man. Get this. Before sin, there was only Sabbath. Every day was seventh day. Do you feel that? It gives me goosebumps, man. Before sin, every day was Sabbath. Every moment was Sabbath. Every beat of our heart was Sabbath. Every breath, man, was Sabbath. Every breath was just breathing the glory of God and just blow out praises for Him. Every moment of our life was Sabbath, man. Before sin, there was only Sabbath. But in sin, there is no Sabbath. In sin, there's no Sabbath. In sin, there is no rest for us. In sin, there is no stop because it always wants more, right? In sin, there's no stop. I don't know about you, but when I was in my active addiction and my sin, there was no stop. There was always more. I just craved to have more. There was no stop. And I used to have so much that most people would think that it was enough, but it was never enough because there's no sin in There's no Sabbath in sin. None. There's none to be had. You cannot find any. Sabbath and sin, there's just more. There's just more. There's just more. Every now and then you could get a glimpse of the promise. Uh, a glimpse of, of the removal of the curse. And that's what God wants to give us. He wants to give us a glimpse of his glory and, and, and a moment where we can experience the lifting of the curse. And that's what Sabbath was designed to be. A moment, a day that he commanded the Israelites to have. A day where, where you can experience what it's like to go back to the garden. A moment where you can experience what it's like to go back to communion. A moment where you can experience what it's like to have that curse of work lifted off of you. And, and you can experience what it's like to be like in that relationship with that provider. Where you can experience that seventh, where you can have that seventh day moment with God. And you can stop. And you can just stop. You know, some, some look at the law. Some, some look at the law and, and, and they think God's told us we can't do this and God's told us we can't do that and God's told us we got to do this and God's told us we got to do that and they get all offended and think that they're locked into some kind of prison because of it. If you feel that way, you're looking at it all wrong. The Sabbath is, is not a condemnation, it's a blessing. Like the Sabbath is, is, is not a prison that you're locked in. But the Sabbath is the doors open and you've been set free for five minutes. I mean, that's what Sabbath is all about. You know, the Bible says this in, in verse, uh, verse 13. It says, don't pursue your own interest on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath. Just stop. Just stop going after whatever the world's told you that you need to go after. And stop. Just stop going after whatever your flesh is desiring. And just stop for a minute. Stop got something I want to tell you got something I want to show you got a moment I want to give you but before I can do those things you're gonna to have to stop you ever be trying to have a conversation with somebody and they just won't stop 
Brent gets on me all the time. Because I'll be out there at lunch, you know, eating lunch with, with Brent, and I'll be like, and he'll be like, hey, man, I'm over here. You know, my wife is the worst, man, or the best, I guess you could say. I'll be in there at my desk doing my thing, and she'll come in there and be like, hey, your family's in here. Okay. Sometimes I want to get mad at her. You know what I mean? I'm doing the Lord's work here. Why don't you get back here and do in there, go in there and do family stuff? And I'll come in there five minutes later, like, I'm so sorry. So sorry. My wife is the voice of truth in my life, man. She is. There is no one that speaks louder with God's voice than my, than my wife. Yeah, give, her, give God praise for her, man. She's special. She's special. The Sabbath day is a gift. I need you to understand this. Like, like Sabbath period is a, is a gift. Like that stop that God is commanding you to do, it's a gift. He's trying to help you. He's not trying to hurt you. I'm taken once again back to that scene in, in Fellowship of the Rings where Gandalf is telling Fred, telling Bilbo, he's like, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. And how often is that God in our lives, right? I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. And if you examine the law of God, then what you will find is that law is not a fence. It's a guardrail. It's not trying to keep you in. It's trying to protect you from what's out there. Can somebody say amen? And, and, and that's what the Sabbath day is, man. God's trying to connect with you. God's trying to connect with you. And what he has, re- or what he's always known and what he's trying to help us realize is that there, that there is no connecting with people that are busy. There's no connecting with people that are busy. There, there's no connecting with you when you've got X, Y, and Z work to do and all this stress is consuming you and killing you. There's no connecting with you. And so before he can even speak to you, before he can even connect with you, he's got to get you to stop. And so he issued the command for us to have Sabbath, a gift to be enjoyed. <laughs> A, a, a stop from all the stressing, right? A stop from all the, the busyness, a, a stop from all the demands that are on you and on your life. A stop from all the lust for the things of the world. A, a stop from being consumed with this world. Because you know what? If the enemy can keep us busy, then he can rule us. And, and you know, my, a buddy of mine that's a pastor told me this. He said that, that good is the enemy of great. And so sometimes it's not just the terrible things and, and the, the blatant sins that get us off kilter and get us outside the will of God in our lives. Sometimes it's the things that we consider to be good that keeps our eyes on it and not on God. Keeps our eyes on it and not on God. But the Lord says this, honor the Sabbath and everything that you do on that day and don't follow your own desires. And then the Lord will be your delight. I, I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance that I promised your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. If we delight in that stop, then we delight in the Lord. If we delight in that moment that we take to give to Jesus Christ, then we begin to delight in Jesus Christ. Because like it says in the, in the letter, letter catechism, it says this, that we were designed, or the chief purpose of man is to bring glory to God and to enjoy him forever. That's our purpose. In case you're wondering what the meaning of life is, there it is. Like that's the meaning of life. That is what we were designed and that is our purpose. 
to, to bring glory to God and to enjoy Him forever. And you can only do that in stop. You can only do that in stop, really. You can only really do that when you take that moment to just stop and just be in His presence. I mean, He didn't say, be still and know that I'm God, just talking. No, no, no. He meant it. He meant it. And when, when we can push everything else in our lives aside for a time and focus our attention on Him, that brings Him glory, and that is enjoying Him. And that is what we were designed to do. And that's why my brother said that praying on this altar was better than any dope that he could ever have. You know why? Because he was doing in that moment what he was designed, what he was empowered, what he was called to do. Can you say amen? Because that's what we're made to do is worship. And that's why we always find something to worship, don't we? We always find something to worship. Whether it's dope or whether it's money or whether it's another person or whether it's our job or whether it's our, our achievements in the world and the awards and the honor that people give us. Whether it's our children. Got any children worshipers out here? Sin. It is. Stop worshiping your children. Lead your children. Love your children. Do not worship your children. Love your spouse. Serve your spouse. Do not worship your spouse. You know, vote for our government. Do the best you can to influence our government. Do not worship your stupid government. Can you say amen? Stop. Stop. And as my brother, our awesome drummer, would say, stop worshiping money because too many of us do. Too many of us do. It's a tool to be used, not a God to be worshiped. And yet too many of us bend the knee before it, don't we? We don't even know where our money goes. It tells us what to do, when to stress, when to freak out, like so many things in the world do. But if you'll stop... If you'll stop, because that's what God has commanded you to do, to stop and focus on God, then everything will begin to fall into place. If you'll just stop and find some rest in Him, if you'll stop and find some peace in Him, it changes everything. And yeah, that's easy for me to say, I know. I just told y'all at the beginning of the sermon, I couldn't even do it for an hour. So how do you, how do you find some stop in your life? How do you find some rest in your life? How do you find some peace in your life? I mean, there's got to be a way, right? I mean, can you find it in the law? Maybe. I mean, can, if, if you observe the Jewish law, if you do what it says in the Old Testament, if you follow what it says in the book of Genesis, the book of Exodus, the book of Deuteronomy, if you do what those Old Testament prophets say, if you do what they say, will you find some peace, some rest in that? I mean, if, you, if, if Friday night at sundown... If you just stop, and then all day Saturday, yes, the Jewish Sabbath day is Saturday, okay, just so everybody knows, not Sunday. But if you do what the Jewish law says, and you stop on Friday night at sundown, and you worship God, and that's all, and you don't do a thing till, till Saturday night at sundown, will you find some rest in that? I think you will. I think you will. I, I think if you take a Jewish Sabbath day, that you'll find some peace, that you'll find some Shabbat Shalom in that. Which means rest in peace, by the way. I've always thought that that's weird. But you will find some rest there. But it's temporary. Understand? You, you, if you keep the Jewish law, you will find peace in there. But it's temporary. You know why? Because Sunday rolls around and work comes back. Temporary. You'll find some peace. Just like the sacrificial system brought forgiveness of sins temporarily. And so the Jewish Sabbath day will bring us rest in the Lord temporarily. Does that make sense? what about what Western Christians do? Will you find some rest if you keep a Sunday Sabbath? Which is, you know, not, not biblical, but it's what we've adopted. I mean, will, will you find some rest if, you know, your Sabbath starts Sunday at 9 o'clock and goes till about 1.30? I think you will. 
I mean, maybe you can find some rest in religion. I, I think you can find some rest in religion. I think that you can come to the house of God. I think you can sing his praises and hear his word and pray to him. And I think you'll find some rest in that. You will. You'll find some rest. You'll find some peace in that. It's temporary. You'll get, in char- you'll get empowered. You'll get recharged. You'll get ready to go. And, and you'll find some rest. But you know what? Monday morning rolls back around, doesn't it? Uh, Monday morning. Yeah, every single time, man. Monday morning rolls right back around. And Monday morning at 6.15, my alarm starts going off. And I'm like, gosh, not again. Hit snooze. Curl up. Last week, I think I turned it off. Me and Angela woke. I woke up and it was 8.20. And I, we're supposed to be here at 8 in the morning on Sunday. You know what I mean? I looked over and it was 8.20. And I was like, babe, we're late. And so we got up and rushed and struggled and did all the stuff. We showed up. We didn't get much accomplished, but we showed up. Yeah, that was a good word last Sunday, wasn't it? Praise God. At least I wasn't preaching. That would have been bad, right? Where's, where's Pastor Paul? We don't know. He's on his way. That's Brent's job pretty much, just tell people I'm on my way. Yeah. Oh, he's coming. He's coming. It's fine. So can you find rest in religion? Sure you can. I mean, you can. I promise you, you can. Uh, if you come to church religiously, if you do the things of God that you're supposed to do, you'll find some rest in it, but it's temporary. It is. Because Monday morning rolls around every single, like she said, every single time. Monday morning shows up every single time. I mean, there will come a time when it won't. Can you say amen? But as far as we know, every time, it always happens. And so Monday morning, so tomorrow, a lot of y'all are going to have to get up and start this whole work thing over again. So you're not going to find real peace, real rest, real stop in the Jewish law. You're not. You're not going to find real peace, real rest, real stop in a Western Christian interpretation of the Bible you're, you're, and, and, and what we call religion. You're just not going to do it. It's not there. Permanent rest, like eternal rest, like the power of God's love that refreshes and renews, it's not in there. It's not in there. There's only one place where you're going to find what you're looking for. There's only one place where you're ever going to find a kind of rest that doesn't run out. There's only one place where you're ever going to get to experience what God meant for us. Because let me tell you this. Before sin, there was only Sabbath. And in sin, there is no Sabbath. But in Jesus Christ, there is no sin. Can you say amen and give God praise for that at the Way Church? And so the only way that you're ever going to find true stop, true rest, true cease is in Jesus Christ. See, he made a way where there was no way like he always does. He is the gate. He is the door. He is the Lamb of God. He is the light in all this darkness. And when we accept him into our lives, all of a sudden, Sabbath becomes more than a day. Sabbath becomes more than a moment. Sabbath becomes a lifestyle because it lives in us. Can you say amen? Because there ain't no rest like Holy Spirit rest. Can somebody say amen? Come on. And so that brings us to this. In the book of Matthew in chapter 11, Jesus Christ is feeling the weight of this on his people. The, The weight that all you guys are experiencing right now, the weight of all that work, the weight of all that expectation. Anybody got expectation on their life that they just can't measure up to? It's heavy, isn't it? It's heavy. It's heavy, man. I was 
talking last night and we were saying, you know, we, I just can't bear the weight of it. I can't carry it all. All the expectation is just too much like that. We can't always be the people that everyone needs us to be. And so Jesus was seeing that in the people that were with him and around him. He was seeing that in the people that were following him. You understand what I'm saying? The people that were following him, he was seeing all that weight that was bearing them down. He was seeing that sin in their lives that was, and, and not just sin in their lives, but the sin in other people's lives that was bearing on them, that was an obstacle to them being able to experience his grace. You understand? And so in the book of Matthew in chapter 11, Jesus Christ says this. Come to me. I don't know about you, but there's nowhere else I need to go. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you... Stop! Rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy... And my burden is light. He makes this offer to take you back to where he's provider. To where he's sustainer. He gives you this offer to go back to where he's already done all the work. And all you have to do is receive it. He he gives you this offer to go back to the garden. He gives you this offer to go back to communion. He gives you this offer to come and to dwell in him. He gives you this offer to find Sabbath. Not on a day and not for a minute. But forever and ever and ever in him. And now if you'll receive him in you. That is the offer that stands. That's the offer that's been put out on the table. Jesus Christ says come to me all who are weary. Come to me every one of you who's struggling. Come to me every one of you who can't take it anymore. Come to me everybody that's got these chains wrapped around you. And that you're sinking in the sins of this world. Come to me and I'll set you free. Come to me and I'll give you rest. Come to me and I'll give you everything that you're desiring and more and more and more and more and more. If you want to find rest, come to me. Don't go to the law because it'll run out. Don't go to religion because it'll run out. Don't go to the things of the world because it never keeps its promises, does it? Never keeps its promises. It's going to run out. The only place, the only place where you're going to find rest is in him. And we church, that's the offer that's on the table. If you don't have him living in you, then you will never find rest. Not here, not in eternity. Because Jesus Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath. And the Sabbath was made for you and not you for the Sabbath. And his offer is to come and dwell with you in eternal Sabbath. His, his offer to you is to make every day seventh day. Now and for all of eternity. You see, rest in the Lord means peace with God. Rest in the Lord means freedom from the spirit of bondage and religion. Rest in the Lord means deliverance from the burdens of our earthly life. Rest in the Lord means freedom of worship in spirit and truth. And true rest in the Lord is to experience the same rest that he himself found on that seventh day. To look around and to know that it's good. 
to look around in spite of what's going on in the world and to know it's good. You know why? Because we have faith. We have faith in the one that came to save us and came to set us free. Won't you find peace in Jesus Christ today? Won't you find rest in Jesus Christ today? Won't you stop and stop stressing, stop worrying, stop struggling? Man, stop with the with worrying about all the expectations that are on your life. Stop. Stop. Stop thinking it's up to you. Stop thinking it's up to you. Because you know what? If it's up to you, guess what? It's not going to get done. It's not up to you. It's up to the work that he has already finished. When he was on that cross, he didn't say, you still owe. When he was hanging on the cross, he didn't say, okay, it's time for you to do something. Do something. When he was hanging on the cross, he didn't say, okay, guys. Time to start stressing. Time to start struggling. No, when he was hanging on the cross, he said, finished. It is finished. 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 Complete. You know, that word to tell us that really means paid in full. Your work is done. My invitation is not for you to get busy. My invitation for you is to come and rest in me. And then you see the, the, the work that we're called to then flows from that. You understand what I'm saying? We don't work to earn his favor. We don't work to earn his glory. It's already been given. The work that we do for the Lord comes from that love. That's what I'm going to preach about next week. We love because he first loved us. We do the work of the kingdom of God. You know why? Because he already finished all the important work. Won't you find your rest in him today? Won't you stop letting expectation tear you to pieces? He showed his great love that while we were still sinners, he died for us. You don't have to put on a fancy vest to be able to come into his presence. You don't have to wear slacks to come into his presence. You don't have to check off a checklist of all the things you did right and all the worldly successes that you have to come into his presence. You don't have to be the best worker at your job to be able to experience him. You don't have to be the greatest husband on earth to be able to find some rest in Jesus Christ. You don't have to be the best mom in the whole world to find some rest in Jesus Christ. You don't have to. He'll empower you to once you meet him, once you encounter him. But you don't have to get dripped up and cleaned up and fancy to come to him. As a matter of fact, if you look in Scripture, it was people that were dirty and messed up that found him. I talked about Luke 15 during worship, and I love the way that book starts. Hold on a second. 
I want to get this right. Because it says something remarkable at the beginning of that book. Or that chapter. So the Bible says this. Listen to this. Tax collectors, who were the lowest of the low in Jewish culture, and other notorious sinners. Anybody think they're a notorious sinner? I don't know what y'all know about me, but I'm a notorious sinner. Notorious. The notorious S-I-N, right? That was terrible, I'm sorry. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees and the teacher of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people and even eating with them. Come to me, all who are weary.